Sabbath to everyone. I am so honored to be here at Tabernacle. You're in Miami, Florida. It's such a wonderful, wonderful, it's a beautiful day outside. And man, oh man, God is good all the time. And I know God has been good to you this week because you're alive and well to see and hear the message for today. It's not a coincidence that you are here today. It's not a coincidence that you woke up this morning. You woke up because God has a purpose in your life, and because of that purpose, you stand here today. And I want to say thank you for joining us here at Tabernacle Seventh-day Adventist Church in Miami, Florida. Before I get started, I want to give some special thanks to my good friends, Mr. John Devine and his wife Penny and family. I've been knowing John for over 30 years. He's been, we worshiped together in Tallahassee when I was principal at Florida State University K-12 school. I got a chance to meet him. He was just as active up there with those young people in the church as he is here. And wanted to say thank him for the invitation as he reached out to me to come and share a word with you all today. And last, I want to thank our pastor, Darden, for a wonderful invitation and allowing me to share his desk today as I deliver the word. And I just want to thank the families here at Tabernacle for tuning in and, 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 and being able to be blessed with what the Lord has put on my heart. And I'm excited for that. But I want to thank my wife as well, my wife and family who are, are watching and some friends from Orlando, the Davis family. My wife has definitely tuned in and definitely been an integral part of my journey of serving in the church. And I've been in this church for over 50 years and I'm excited about that. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me, let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you continue to do for us. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for just being here for us and saving us and walking with us and cleaning us up and making sure that all is well in our homes. I thank you for the traveling mercies, the traveling just coming down from Palm Beach County and coming here to, to worship uh, with the families here in Tabernacle. I thank you for the breath, the air that we breathe every day and just uh, the ability to see and feel your greatness as we walk. Father, today is a day that we deliver the word as we speak to those who need to hear from you. And I said thank you for allowing me be, to be the empty vessel as you filled me with the word. So as I speak, Father, I pray that as I decrease, that you increase, that they will see and hear you and not me. In your name I pray. Amen. Today is something interesting. It is a sermon that I probably spoke about 15, 20 years ago for a special occasion, and I put it away. And for some reason, I, the Lord would not allow me to create, to draft or write something new. And I like drafting and writing something new, and sometimes I don't even like to go and use uh, sermons that I've used in the past, but there was something about this one that the Lord wanted me to share with you today. And not only in the art and science of writing messages and sermons and writing books, there's, a, there's something underlining that I want all of you to know, that when ministers, and I'm not the, the pastor of the church, I'm just a hard-working mailman who deliver God's word, that the messages that we write, God's often told us, that's for me, that's for us. And sometimes the day of or the, the morning of, the day before, you, you, have, you come up with another message. So today's message is for you. And I want you to, to tune in. To today's sermon title is There is Something About Mary. There is something about Mary. And we're talking about Mary uh, as the writer Luke in, in Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. But before I get started, I want to just share some things with you just to make sure you are uncomfortable when God speaks to people, he never asks you for your comfort level. He never asks you, are you okay? Should I go on? When you deliver the mail, when you deliver God's word, it's not about your comfort level. It's about you being honest with yourself. So today I have a <clears throat> question for you. I have, I have something here saying that um, this message is not for those who would think they are holier than thou. If, if you think that you already know it all, this message is not for you. This message is not for those who think they, have, they wrote the Bible, they can enforce the Bible, and they can judge you at the same time. This message is not for you at all. This message is not for those who, who believe they have never lied, believe they have never lied on someone, believe they have never caused hurt, harm, or shame to anyone, this message is not for you. This message is not for you if you will honestly believe that you have what it takes to make it into heaven and you're just waiting for your last breath and you've got a front row seat and you're going to get that, what they, they, that, that beam, that tell, uh, uh, what you call that thing in Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty, that God's just going to beam you up because you have done everything right. This message is not for you. So let me tell you who this message is for today. This message is for those individuals who have been hurt before. If you've ever been hurt before, I'm talking to you. 
If you've ever been lied on before, I'm speaking to you. If you've ever been cheated on or misused or confused or somebody tried to play the game on you, I'm I am speaking to you. If you've ever been told as you walked into a church that you had the impression that you didn't fit in and you wasn't part of the in crowd, maybe because of something you wore, the way you spoke, or the way you smell, I'm talking to you. If, if, if you, you, you've been hurt and you've been broken and you're ready to be restored by claiming Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I guarantee you this is the place where you should be. And so I want to just encourage you to stop what you're doing and listen intently as I talked about a young lady that many of you can possibly relate to, a woman named Mary. Mary did not have the best reputation in the city or the town in which she lived, a place around there named Bethany. Mary had some conditions that a lot of men knew about her. She was known as a sinner. And when you call a woman a sinner, it referred to the woman who was a, a, of the street, a prostitute, a prostitute. And I want to make sure that some of you have heard the story and some of you are hearing it for the first time. So if you know the story, listen to it again for the first time. So let me back this thing up. As Jesus was ministering, and Jesus ministered um, uh, through Galilee and on this around different various towns and through Bethany. And while he was there, a, a Pharisee named Simon went up to him and invited him to dine with him. That wasn't anything unusual. You know, you get a pastor who coming through, a rabbi. It wasn't unusual to invite the rabbi to your home. But Jesus was no fool, people. Jesus was no fool. Jesus knew exactly what Simon was up to. Because the Pharisees did not like Jesus. Why did they not like Jesus? Jesus was spoke about by another man they hated even more than Jesus. His name was John. John preached about Jesus. He talked about their ill and adulterous, sinful ways and the way they did things. John spoke about those things. Follow me on this. If, and then John referred to Jesus as the Messiah. As the Messiah. So follow me. If somebody is speaking highly of you and some, a whole group of people in the church doesn't like you, then if, if you don't like me and I'm giving reference to someone else who is just as holy and calling him the Messiah, the Holy One, then you're not going to like him only because I endorsed I gave him a reference. So, so Simon had a plan. Simon had a plan that he was going to reach out and he's going to give Jesus an invitation. It's not your typical invitation that says, come on over. I have a party for you, and I want you to understand something. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been to a house party? No? Let me tell you. Elder, Elder Devine said he has. I haven't been, so I don't know what he's talking about. In high school, <laughs> in high school, you can get an invitation in, in school. You know, somebody says, oh, we're having a party on a so-and-so night. Could be a Friday, could be a Saturday. You didn't have a party on a Tuesday night. So whenever you heard there's a party, it's going to be at someone's home. So what if you were invited to a party or a dinner date or a party, and you don't quite know this person, and then you go to the party and you go in the room, you go in this house, and you still don't know anyone? How would that make you feel? 
Would you eat the food? Would you drink? Would you even stick around or would you just leave? Well, some of you, you know, it's up to you how you, how you move forward. Jesus decided to stay. And because Jesus was no fool, he was the wisest man on earth. And he walked and he dined and he sat. And as he reclined, the Bible said reclined to eat, he went in Simon's house. But let me back this thing up. When we talk about the Pharisees, there were three things I want you all to know about the Pharisees, and this will explain the story as we talk about who we are as a church and who we are as a people during this pandemic. See, Mary has some things about her, but let's talk about Mary's lifestyle, and let's talk about modern-day our church, our churches in the 21st century, and what does it look like. There are some things about the Pharisees you had to know. The Pharisees thought they were the perfect people. They felt they were experts. And when I say experts, that means that they, they, they wrote the laws, they followed the laws, and they did nothing wrong publicly. You, it was hard to catch them. And so uh, they were experts. Second thing, they were very proper people. Uh, outwardly, they made no mistakes. They never missed any services, or, and they kept all the rules. They will announce what they put in the offering plate. They will announce how many shirts and pants, how, uh, how many doors they knocked on. They will announce how many people they witnessed to. They will announce that they baptized 700 people in a year. They will keep numbers and they will let you know because they believe they were doing everything right. The last thing, they were separatists. Separatists. What do you mean separatists? They did not hang out with anyone who was not like them. Have you ever walked into a church, have you been around someone, or even in the workplace, where you try to fit in? It's an, I don't care where you are, in New York City or even in the Caribbean, if you walk into the house of the Lord and you feel you have not been greeted well, it sets a negative tone. And so here you are saying, Am I in the right place? How do you feel welcome in the house of the Lord when the people who said happy Sabbath, welcome to church, seems phony, and they look you up and down? Have, have you ever been stared at? I remember years ago when I was a Sabbath school teacher in Orlando. It's a young, young lady. As a matter of fact, I stuck on the, the role of Sabbath school teacher just to work with the young people because I work with the Pathfinders. And I was sharing with one of the members this morning, if you were work with Pathfinders, you were almost working with the youth groups. And so you work with on Sabbath morning, and you always, you always want an AY, so you, you got the same group from Sabbath school to AY to Pathfinders, almost the same group. And, and so I want you to know that um, uh, inside this group, I had a young lady who came to church one day, and she came in, and I, uh, we were getting there. We got there early, and so I'm going in the back of the church and, you know, going to my Sabbath school classroom, and here's the young lady. She was in front of me, and I saw her walking, and I saw this older lady walk over to this teenage girl. She was 16 at the time, and so she walked over to the young lady, and she walked over, and she just tucked the tail, the, the tip of her dress, and she just, you know, pulled it down a little bit, and she says, like, not, not hurting, but just, like, you know, like tapping her on the legs, and I'm like, okay, all right, you know, I don't know what she's telling her. I got in the Sabbath school classroom, and I said, uh, 
hey, I saw you out there. What, what was that about? The young teenage girl said, I don't even know who that lady was. She just walked over and started tapping me on the legs as if my dress was too short. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. My daughters have worn the dress at that same length. I guess this lady wanted something right at the shin, if not dragging the ground. And she said she was so upset, but she respected that older lady, but she disrespected the way she approached her. The lady didn't even know her. And yet she walked over and started pulling on her, just, just tugging slightly and tapping her legs. And she said, had it not been for this Sabbath school class and you elder elves, I would have gotten in my car and went home. How many members have experienced that? Those slight little gestures someone has pointed out. Is it possible that we could have Pharisees in 2021? I don't know. Y'all help me out. An amen or no? Can we have Pharisees in 2021? Or fer uh, uh, those kind of practices that the Pharisees had when Jesus walked the earth? The answer is yes. Absolutely. And so we look at these things and we're talking about, you know, everybody wants to say that the Bible, that's historical perspective. But yet, when we look at these things, we talked about this, this situation. I'm talking about the young girl who's, who had a connection with Jesus Christ that was in my Sabbath school class. And I thank God that I had a rapport with her, and she trusted me as her Sabbath school teacher. I had about 35 young people in my youth Sabbath school class. Think about what I just said. 35 teenagers showing up at church at 9 o'clock in the morning for Sabbath school. How many young people are showing up now for Sabbath school? You have to keep it real. You have to just get in touch with them and understand what they are going through, and it's going to definitely help them out. Let's get to Mary. We're here because we want to talk about Mary. I want you to understand that this young lady named Mary had been a prostitute on the streets, and every man in the city knew who she was. And matter of fact, some of the church brothers probably had spent some time with her because they knew her, and they knew her probably, possibly intimately. And we want you to understand that. Mary had a black book. Not that Mary had a little lamb, but Mary had a black book, and it was probably small enough where she knew everybody's name and everybody knew her. So it was kind of hard to throw some dirt at her when she walked into the place. Because while Jesus was, uh, was reclining down at the table to eat, he would lean on the left shoulder, on the left arm, and the right hand is free to break bread and the feet are extended out so uh, he can recline. And that was customary as they walked and sat at the table to eat. Follow me on this. Mary knew. Let me ask you this question before I get to this. Have you ever been broken in your life? You've been broken, you've been hard, your heartaches, your pains have been so severe that you cannot seem to break through with anything. And every time you take one step forward, it's not one step backwards, you take like two steps backwards, sometimes three. You work hard for something, they walk in and say you've lost your job. You, you, you worked hard on your marriage and then that dissolves. You have a brand new car and all of a sudden the engine is broken. Then you get hurt and all your retirement money is going toward medical bills. And then the pandemic comes around and now you've totally have lost your job. Not only have lost your job, lost your benefits with no possibility of getting another job. Have you ever been broken? Oh yeah, I have. I have. 
There was a time when I got out of the military. I served in the Navy for 12 years, and when I got out, I worked with some companies. You're trying to find work. And I got a job with a um, company that was a government contract that did work for the military. And I remember, it's, it's strange, you know, how God put uh, some writings on the wall. And I'm just talking about this. I didn't see it. I was just a naive 26, no, 30-year-old. 30, 30, 30 and so here I am, you know, the first paycheck, payday rolls around. You've worked. You've already put in your time, and then it's payday. It's Friday. And I don't know if you've ever been through this. You're excited because you, got, you have bills to pay. And so you go up there, and you see the HR manager come out and say, uh, uh, the, the, the money wasn't delivered yet. And here I am. I served in the military. My check was always every two weeks. What do you mean the money is not here yet? Well, the military hadn't released the funds, so we can pay you all today. And so we want to make sure you understand this. So how do, you, how, how do, we, how do we get our money? Well, uh, maybe Monday. Monday rolled around. They still hadn't released the money. And so we end up getting paid on Tuesday. And I said, OK, maybe this is an isolated situation. Not even a month later, same thing. The money didn't come in on a Friday. And then about four months after that, everybody got laid off. It's devastating. If you've ever been laid off from a job when you have a mortgage, you have bills, and all of a sudden you don't know where your, your payment's going to come from. Broken. Broken. Sad. You don't know what's going to happen. How are you going to get the money? Mary was broken at this point. But when Mary walked into this, this house where Simon and the men were gathered around the table, they had other people around the walls. It was not uncommon for the men to, to gather, the poor people to gather around the wall as the, the dignitaries sat at the table and ate. It, was, it wasn't uncommon for them to gather. And then uh, the room could have been as not as well lit as we have the sanctuary or your house. So sometimes you don't know who's in a crowd mixed in, and people will look through the window so they can hear some of the things being spoke about. So here comes Mary. Mary learned, Mary learned that Jesus was in town, and he, she also learned that Jesus was at Simon's house uh, where they were eating. So with that being said, she found her way inside this place. Now, picture this. You have the dignitaries, you have Jesus and Messiah, you have the Pharisees, you have his little group of men all gathered around the table. You have other men around the wall, and here comes Mary through the door. Nobody how to recognize her because it's okay to come in if you're poor so you can listen to the dignitary. But when you have a sinner, a prostitute like Mary walking through the door of a, with a room full of men, that was highly uncustomary uncustomary for that to happen. For a lady, first of all, and then a prostitute on top of that? Wow, that mean that room was dark and they really did not notice her walking in that door. So let me tell you what happened. Mary walked over to Jesus and Jesus had already had a conversation. He noticed some things when he had already walked through the door but he kept his mouth shut. He noticed customarily that when you walk into a home of a um, uh, back in these days, it was customary that the shoulder, the hands go on the shoulder, and you kiss on both cheeks. 
And I noticed when I came to Tabernacle, the pastor or, or elder divine did not meet, greet me with a kiss on both cheeks, even though I know it's a COVID. They didn't even motion on both sides. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I guess Tabernacle don't, y'all don't kiss down here? Y'all do? Okay. So we want to make sure that, that we make this, this point. I want to make sure that this point is made. Then the second thing, because they walked everywhere, they didn't have the Nikes on, or they didn't have the latest shoes, they didn't have the, the KDs walking around, and they didn't have the Brooks Brothers expensive shoes. They had sandals. And guess the type of found terrain they had? Dirt, dust, and sand. So your feet are dirty. Your feet are dirty. Your feet are dirty from walking all day. And not only your feet are dirty, you had animals that wherever they need to drop, whatever they need to drop, it's in the street, it was in the area, you had dirty water, so the feet were dirty. So when you walk into someone's home, they would give you some water, some cool water to wash your feet off because your feet were unsightly, and so they would have to do that. And then the last thing, they would anoint you. Now, the, they said the oil to anoint you would set the tone saying that you were in the house of a holy brother. Welcome into my home, you are welcome here. Those are three things that they did not do. Invited Jesus in, he came in and he sat down at the table. Here comes Mary, she came over, and just because of her presence, because of her presence around Jesus, she was trying to hold it. Have you ever been so excited that you just, could, she could not contain it, that the tears from her eyes started to well up? and started to well up. Remember, I'm coming from Luke 36, 50. 36, 50. And so she, she saw him, and she went over to him. And because she was standing next to him, because the tears started to well up in her eyes and started to flow, the dam of, of her emotions opened, and the tears started to, to, to drop down on Jesus' feet. She noticed that his feet were wet, and she took her hair. And the Jewish, the way the ladies wore the hair back in the days, it was always tied up. Was, and so what she had to do is take her hair down, and she had to use that. She didn't have a towel, remember. She was just going there to see Jesus. She was going there to see Jesus, and when she saw him, she couldn't stay awake. Have you ever been to that breaking point where you're trying to get to Jesus? You know the only place you can go is to Jesus, and he can save you. That's the only place you can go, because man cannot save you. Man cannot do what Jesus did. Man will hold you back and if you rely on man, on man, man will re re remind you constantly how you were when they met you 25, 30 years ago. And so sometimes people in the church become bitter because people who are supposed to know better, who are supposed to witness, really do not welcome them. And you keep bringing up the dirty shoes. I remember when you were a prostitute. There's no way you could be the first elder in the church. There's no way you could serve as a deaconess at this church because she used to be a prostitute just around the corner. So I ask you why? Why would a church not bring someone else in, clean them up, not clean them up, bring them in and introduce them to, to Christ and let Christ clean them up? Years ago I saw on a marquee outside of a church, it read, you catch them, God will clean them. Let me say that again. You catch them, God would clean them. How many times have we tried to catch them and clean them before we put them in the baptismal pool? So many times we have done that and we have messed up. 
And not only that, we want to remind people, I baptize you. Not in the name of Jesus, but in the name of me, because I'm the one who found you out there. I don't want y'all to get me started up in here. I just came to, just to talk about Mary. It is, frustrates me the number of people have treated our churches as a revolving door. And our, our churches were never designed to be revolving doors. They're supposed to come in, and then we help them grow, and you find the right mentor. And all pastors, I hope you're listening, be careful who you pair new members up with. Not everybody in the church can, can connect with some of our new believers. I have never had a problem with alcohol. That doesn't mean I cannot, no problem, I don't, don't need to drink. If, but if someone is a recovering drug addict or been out there on the street or served some time in prison, my conversation may not be what they need to overcome some of the setbacks. You may have somebody in the church to say, you know what, my brother, let me tell you what my brother went through, and I'll work with you. i help you find a job. Maybe you, maybe you don't have that person, but maybe you could find someone. And so we cannot get, get in the habit of going out there witnessing to people, bringing them into church, and embarrassing them. And guess what? When they leave, they don't come back. They don't come back. And you'll see them at, at a store. You'll see them in passing. And it says that, um, oh, oh, where have you been? I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen you in quite a long time. And they say, oh, I'm okay. But then they will find a way to get away from you because they don't want to be around you at all. Now, when Mary had this point, she came to Jesus. Jesus realized what she was going through. She was broken, and he knew that he needed to talk to her. And when he turned to her, he shared something with her that will always, always be good to you. Let me go to, to Luke 38. Let me go to Luke 38, 39. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 38, 39. You're going to read it. You're going to read it. It says right here in third, let me go to 37. And this woman who came, who was a sinner, came to the city and saw Jesus reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster vow of perfume and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her, um, the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisees had invited Jesus, invited him, saw this, he said to himself, let me back this up. The Pharisees said to himself, let me, let me break this down. How, do you, how did Jesus know he said to himself? Have you ever spoke to someone and they mumbled something under their breath, as we call it? Well, with that being said, I'm quite sure Simon, with his slick mouth, saying, huh, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he definitely wouldn't be trying to talk to her or deal with her. So Jesus turned around and gave her this parable. And Jesus said to her, Simon, I say to you, a moneylender had two debtors, and one owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which one uh, loved him more? So Simon turned around and said, I suppose it was the one who owed the most, the 500. And Jesus said, you judge correctly. Turning to the woman, Jesus said, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you made me, uh, no, you gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, 
for she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, and she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, turn to 47, 47, 7, Luke 7, verse 47. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven, who has given little, loves little. And the reason why he said that, now think about what I'm saying. You didn't even hear Jesus go through a litany of questions for this lady saying, tell me your story. All right, let me do a checkoff list. All right, I forgive you. He did not go through this sermon. No one preached a sermon to this lady, to Mary. There's something about Mary that we all can learn. When Mary was broken, no one could stop her from getting to the feet of Jesus. No one could stop Mary because of people. She said she wasn't worried about shame or embarrassment. or You can say whatever you want. Mary said, I've been to the bottom. I've been to the bottom of the well. My life is a mess. I know that. You know that. You have done nothing to save me. But Jesus was passing through, so I have to take advantage of this. So Mary found her way at the feet of Jesus, where everybody else sat at the table to watch him eat, to try to entrap him in a conversation. And when Simon tried to tell her, what kind of woman is this? Jesus is saying this is a saint of God. This is a lady who has been forgiven. Now, that is past tense. What do you mean forgiven? She just met Jesus. She just met Jesus. So how can the sins be forgiven when I just met you? Mary came to see Jesus, possibly to say, thank you. I feel whole again. I feel new again. I feel refreshed. I understand my calling for being in this church and, being, and calling myself a child of the king. And so we look at this and say, your sins have been forgiven. Those at the table reclined and began to say to themselves, who is this man who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Mary came and she set out to do what she wanted to do. I want to challenge all of you to understand that when you walk with Christ, you will have some ups and you will have some downs. You will have people will try you, even back in the days when you used to be a fighter out there on the street. The devil knows that you used to be a little rough under the corner, and you probably used to pack a little piece, and any time you hear a pow, 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 every, in the neighborhood, everybody jump and hide on the car, you looking around like, who was that? You can tell those who grew up on the street because they hear something out there. They don't even run, get scared. They look at you like, oh, you must be a Christian. You hiding under the car. That was just some bullets. That's all right. That was about, that's only two blocks over. You can tell those people. But how do we invite them and welcome them and keep them inside the house of the Lord? How do we keep them inside this church? The time now, saints, with this pandemic, a lot of things have changed in your life. In this virtual setting we're in one day, when you have to come back and sit in this, these pews and you have to come back together, I hope and pray for the past year. Today is March 13th. A year ago, they shut the state down. They shut the state down a year ago. I remember this because I was the principal of the school, and the newspaper had already received word that the governor and everyone was going to shut the school down because we had two cases in Tampa, and all of a sudden, we have to shut the school. We have to shut the state down. What have you done? What have you done over the past year? Are you still bitter? 
or are you better? You better? Are you doing what you need to do? God has a place for you. And what Mary wants you to know that regardless of where you see yourself, sinners, you have to understand that you are saved by grace. You are saved by grace. Mary was walking the streets and she saw two angels. And then a third one walked down the street. The first angel that approached her was named Grace. And Grace came over to her and said, Sister, I love you regardless of how they see you. You're saved by grace. And then the other angel says, Hi, my name is Mercy. And Mercy came over here and says, You know what? You're in good hands. So Grace and Mercy. Grace took the right hand. Mercy took the left hand. And they walked her over to the other angel. The third angel was named Salvation. And you don't have to worry about being lost. Because when you're in the hands of grace and mercy, your price has already been paid and your debt is paid in full. So you don't even have to worry about trying to impress anybody. Jesus said, I've already paid the price. And so you have to understand, regardless of what you've gone through, this is not the time to leave the church. This is not the time to start throwing daggers. During this 365-day event, you should have been closer to Jesus Christ. You should have read your whole Bible. You should have been in a deep study and, and, and then you should be reaching out to the other members of the church to find out how are they doing. Who have you reached out to? The days for the Pharisees are gone. So where are you? Where are you when we come together? Are we clear? Are we doing what we need to do in the name of Jesus Christ? We need to make sure that we do what we have to do. Here's the thing as I wrap up. As I wrap up and I'm talking about reflecting on Jesus Christ, and we look at Mary and there's something about Mary. She had to break those strongholds off her mind because it was more mental. It was mental. She put her feet in motion to go find Jesus, but what she had to do is break the mental strongholds. And those mental strongholds, a stronghold is a mental argument you believe which contradicts the, the person and the power of Christ. The first thing she had to do is to trust. She had to trust that when, when she went to this location, Jesus would be there and Jesus spoke the words, you are forgiven. She trusted her words. She trusted the feeling in her heart where grace and mercy and salvation escorted her over to the foot of Jesus, over to the feet of Jesus. Grace and mercy and salvation escorted her to Jesus. The next one, she had a desire. Her desire was so strong, nobody could stop her from doing what she needed to do. Forgiveness, she knew for a fact she was forgiven. Before she got there, she was already forgiven. Mary did not allow her past to weigh her down. She knew that if she kept looking back, she would never move forward. And I challenge you today, saints, whatever you did before the pandemic and you left this church a year ago, make sure you come back with the right spirit, the right heart, the right focus, and a forgiving heart. Because if Mary hadn't forgiven her to talk, she wasn't disappointed, people. When you're looking for Jesus Christ, you need to come as you are. Don't worry about trying to clean yourself up. Jesus will clean you up because it is a mindset and you need to understand. And the very last one is love. All of the others mean nothing if you don't love you and you don't understand the love of Jesus Christ. Mary was seen by others as a dirty foot, as a prostitute, as a street woman, as a sinner. But in Jesus' eyes, he said, I love you. And because I love you, your sins have been forgiven go in peace and so this is what we're doing as we wrap up and so Mary had to understand only Jesus was a saving grace there's something about Mary I want you to know that there's something about you you probably know a Mary you probably lived a Mary 
We all have a piece of Mary inside of us. There's something about Mary you need to understand. Where she started and where she end up, ended up were two different things. So I say keep going. Keep going and make it work. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being so good to us. We ask you to clean us up like never before. There are some things in our lives, Father, that we are doing that we know that it looks good on the outside, but you know our heart is not pure. Take it away from us. Only you can do that. We put everything at the foot of the cross because we want you to be our Lord and our Savior. We want you to be sovereign of our lives, Father. Thank you for all you continue to do. Father, we just want to say thank you for this, the sick, the shut-in, for the angels going by to touch their lives. Thank you for giving us the energy to, 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 to be here today. Thank you for, for those, Father, who tune in and listen. Father, I pray for those who, are, who have been hurt, those who have been beat down, those who have been broken and restored and placed at the, foot of, uh, at, the, at the feet of Jesus Christ. And now you've been restored, and now you can go in peace and do his will. Father, I thank you. We love you. Be with us, Father, throughout this Sabbath day and throughout uh, this, 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 this weekend, Father. Keep us close to you. And, Father, we'll be sure to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>